Welcome to the Thriving Musician Podcast, where you go behind the scenes with musician, speaker, and consultant Spencer List to hear stories of how professional musicians navigated the inevitable financial challenges that arise on the path to creative freedom and get insight from industry professionals on how to break through to the next level of your finances, career, and art. Now, here's your host, Spencer List. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Thriving Musician Podcast. Before we get started, you need to know that the content on this podcast is for informational purposes only. So anything that we talk about should not be construed as personalized investment advice, and is subject to change without notice. Also, this podcast will not help you become a better musician. That's all up to you. So with that said, let's get started. Today is a very special episode. I am going to be answering questions from students of the University of North Texas Music Entrepreneurship class, where I recently gave my talk to And the music entrepreneurship program is really cool. They're helping students develop an entrepreneurial mindset to build financially sustainable and satisfying arts careers that positively impact their communities. It was a pleasure and honor to come speak to the students. They were very attentive and they had a lot of questions. And so they ended up submitting many questions. Um, And so I told them that, how about I just record a podcast episode and answer those questions so that I had time to think about my answers and hopefully give you better responses. Um, So shout out to all of those students who attended and that one who was asleep the whole time. (laughs) It's all good. Um, (laughs) And that laughing over there, um, I have to introduce. So today to help me with these questions is my Strong, independent, smart, funny <laughs> wife. Yeah, Jordan. I think last time I was on here, I was just fiance, and now I'm your wife. Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, so we just got back from our honeymoon. Yes. And so we're all relaxed and ready to answer questions about music and finance. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what you want to do after laying on the beach. So Jordan's going to help ask the questions and I'll answer them. But then also she has a lot of great input as well from her experience. So let's just dive right into them. All right. Sounds good. All right. So the first question we have is how do you save up funds? Okay. So how do you save? Um, Well, it's funny that this was asked because I have a PDF on my website you can get for free. It's how four simple steps to save an emergency fund, which you can use to save for anything that you want that just happens to be directed towards an emergency fund. But basically you just start now and really it's important to decide how much you want to save, how much you're able to save, what it is you're saving for and to set up automatic payments. That's Mm -hmm. the key. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of broad, like funds. Like, and the other thing I guess we were saying was you want to make sure that automatic payments aren't something that's too large that's going to leave you with not a lot. I've made that mistake where I'm like ambitious about how much I can save at a time and then my checking just wasn't, was lacking and then it's more stressful. Right. And in the PDF, if you go, if you don't have it already, you can go look at it and we talk about, you know, start at a really small percentage Mm -hmm. or a small number. Even If it's something where you've never saved before, start with $5 a month or whatever 
number you want to do that you're comfortable with that you know whether it's you can you can give up a cup of coffee a month for it just to get into the habit yeah so i think developing the habits is really important yeah for saving definitely all right so number two is what advice can you give young musicians to track finances tips on how to create a financial plan so it's funny these questions are directed towards things that i have resources that I have available to you. I also have a income and expenses spreadsheet where you can go and track manually track all those things, even your mileage. And so I think the most important thing is to set up some sort of system. And there's online programs as well um, to start writing down where you're spending, where your income is, and actually looking closely at what those numbers are versus what you think they are. Mm-hmm. Because odds are there, those numbers are a lot different. Yeah. And so like the one that you have is a manual thing where you literally go in and you look at every bank statement and do it. And it takes a long time, but it's important to do it that first time. Yeah. because And you can just do it one month at a time. I mean, it doesn't take long. Yeah. You pull up your bank statements and you go line by line and it's actually kind of therapeutic and, mm-hmm. you know, it can feel a little weird, but yeah. it, you can... It kind of takes you back through the whole year. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot I went here and bought this for this gig or whatever. And I w- had lunch with this person. It, it can actually really be really cool to kind of backtrack through your year. Mm-hmm. But then financially, like seeing what actually happened. Totally. And then you can maybe go on and use like apps and things that are a little easier that you can just have on your phone and track. Yeah. And tips on how to create a financial plan. I mean, to, to start, you just want to take things one step at a time. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk about financial plan, financial planning, hiring somebody to help you build a plan, that's very advanced. That's not something we're going to be doing. This is meant for just educational. So eventually, maybe you get to the point where you need help making a plan, which includes all aspects of your life, insurance, estate planning, taxes, investing, retirement, saving, all that good stuff, budgeting. That's a whole nother level. And so tips on creating a financial plan, and we'll talk about this more later, is just educating yourself. So mm-hmm. we'll come back to that. Okay, sounds good. All right, number three. What financial mistakes did you make as a young musician and how did you learn from them? So one mistake that really sticks out to me is when I recorded and released my first and only album so far. I believe it was in 2013. And a lot of people do this. um, But when you go to purchase the actual discs, you know, the physical copies and how many copies do you want? And of course, if you bought 100, it's, you know, so many dollars per CD. But if you buy 500, it's less per CD. And then if you buy 1000, it's even less, right? So the more you buy, the less per CD cost. So of course, and I've seen other people do this, you go and buy a thousand CDs because you get the less, excuse me, the lower cost per disc price. But, you know, in reality, I didn't have a big enough audience to sell a thousand CDs. I was, it was, I was thinking ambitiously, but in reality, you know, it really is about the total cost. Mm -hmm. So what did I really spend on CDs that I didn't even sell. If I, but what if I had just done 100 and sold out? That would have been a lot better situation financially. And, you know, you say you've sold out. Well, that's 
that's pretty huge that, you know, that can generate more interest and so on. But just being realistic about where I was and financially what to do. So that's definitely a mistake that I made. And just thinking about what are those actual financial costs and not getting duped into the the upsell or the, you know, the Costco style discounts. Mm hmm. Do you have any financial mistakes you made? I definitely ordered a thousand. We we both have boxes. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I still, you know, thinking about even saying it now, I probably would have done it again because it just is that mental. It comes out to being like less than a dollar per CD when you get it. And, you know, you're right in that we both have like boxes of, of albums here. And at the time, I it wasn't like that was chump change to me. Cause you end up, you know, you spend, I forgot how much it was to print a thousand. Um, that money probably could have been more served in a different way. So Definitely. I think I had a similar mistake. The other mistake I did, this is more young college student rather than musician was get into credit card debt. And that was like a young version of trying to like keep up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. I felt like in college I, you know, I waited tables and I, you know, was working the whole time when I was in school and it, everyone was still going out to dinner all the time. I felt like all of my friends like had money and were spending money. I didn't want to like be the lame one who like couldn't go out to dinner right? or like go out to the bar or whatever. So I definitely got into some credit card debt, but so I regret that. So don't do that. (laughs) And what did you learn from it? That it's okay to be like, I can't, or I, you don't have to say I can't afford it, but it's okay to like not do that, to not right. feel the need to spend because other people are spending. You can yeah. still go to a hang and not spend money. You just Definitely. get a club soda, you know, it's not that difficult. Definitely. And knowing what your path is. Like yeah. Where are you financially and knowing that the decisions you're making are right for you. Yeah. And being confident, like com- approaching it with confidence rather than like a sheepish, like, oh, I don't have money to, to right. do this thing. It's more like I'm choosing to not spend my money on that. Like I'm, my money needs to go somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. So. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Number four, what do you find are the top issues that musicians are facing currently in terms of finances and making it all come together? Okay, I think there were a couple. We were kind of discussing these before recording, and the the main one that came to mind was obviously income and being able to generate enough, but then also having it, your income be consistent mm-hmm. and at least a certain amount per month, um, whether it's the same amount, but typically that's not the case if you're self-employed or freelancing. So I think that's the biggest problem that musicians face. I always want to take it a step further from a thriving musician perspective of once you have figured out the income side of things, I think that the top issue that musicians face is what to do with that money. Yeah. And so if you don't know that you should be saving for retirement or really making wise spending choices, whether that comes to your gear or your business uh, or your purchases with cars and whatever it is then I think uh, the the biggest issue there is that time is going by and you're not making those decisions because you're just unaware that yeah. those things should be happening. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the chunk income that like when yeah. we do have income, it comes 
maybe in big chunks um, and then not for a really long time. So understanding how to manage that. And then once you do have, like you said, maybe you have some steady gigs, then knowing what to do with that. But also for us, it's just like never certain. So that's really difficult. So I guess like the biggest thing is musicians really just need to save because you never know when, even if you do have a steady gig, it could be gone in two seconds. Right. (laughs) So if you don't have consistent income, you need consistent savings. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number five, what advice would you give a young musician wanting to expand his audience if he is new to an area or her? So uh, there's the traditional method, right, is physically going out to different places, finding out where the people are you want to be around and play with uh, or record with or whatever it is, collaborate with, and make yourself known and available. Meet people, build your network and relationships. And then now there's this new model of the online you know, internet where you can present yourself online in many different ways. Mm-hmm. But the key with either is, again, consistency. So if you're just going to show up one time to some place and meet people, I mean, that's one step in the relationship. So Mm -hmm. what I find with people doing the traditional way is they're going out regularly, whether that's every week they're going to the same place or being around the same people or they're going every night. I mean, that's not for me. That's not my method. But there's that consistency, right? You're building the relationship that people see you over and over again. And the same goes for online. So I think really consistency is the best way, regardless of what path you choose. And I'm sure there's other ways to expand your audience. But I think consistency is number one. Yeah, absolutely. I just realized that I was thinking in my mind with this question that it was like network, but it's really this person's asking about audience. So if they're trying to be an artist and they're trying to get more people interested in their music. Well, then in that case, I would say, again, consistency, but with your music. And like almost, so like I say with money, money is a consequence, not the purpose, right? So if you are providing value to other people, whether that's at a job or with your music or just helping somebody, you know, there's a potential for money to come as a consequence, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the same thing could be said for an audience. Yeah. The audience isn't the purpose. Mm -hmm. It's the consequence. Mm -hmm. So if you're focusing on your music and sharing that in whatever way is right for you Mm -hmm. to whoever you want. Mm -hmm then the audience will come naturally. Mm-hmm. Now, some people would argue that, oh, no, you, you have to pay for Instagram marketing or ads, which that can definitely help at mm-hmm. a certain point. But let's, for this person who's new to the area, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe doesn't have the resources to do things like that, you know, the organic, that's my preference. Yeah, and it's all about relationships. Like, I was thinking, like, audience that's a relationship. So yeah. like you want to be giving, giving, giving. Yes. That was what we always talk about. Even with like, so if it was the network thing, you want to never be like, hey, if you ever need a yep. so-and-so, if you ever need a vocalist, I'm always available. Like, and they've never heard you. <laughs> like, you don't want to be that guy or girl. Right. Same thing with like trying to get people interested in your music. You don't want to come at with, hey, I've got an album. You should check it out. You right. listen to music. Like, because you have no idea yep. if they're interested in this type of music you play so i think like 
yeah, what we're saying is like consistency always, you know, beyond there. And, you know, and as far as like algorithms and the platforms are concerned, they do, you know, um, reward consistency and consistent engagement and things like that. And you want to be genuine because that's what they're genuine. Yeah. yeah. Genuine engagement and genuine consistency because they are really trying to work and try to make that the norm and not the spammy culture. Yeah. Everyone I've seen who has built a big audience, it doesn't seem like their focus is on building the audience. Yeah. That's what I've found. Just so put far. out good content and be honest. Mm-hmm. All right. Number six. How would you suggest managing time between college, gigs, practices, writing, being in multiple bands, and time in the studio? So this is like a college student, music person who's trying to balance a bunch of things. Right. So this is a tough one because there's a lot going on when you're in school, Mm -hmm. if you're listening and you're in school. And there's no right way to do it. You, You can't manage it down to the second you know i need to spend this many hours doing this practicing versus writing versus spending time on other people's projects i would say though if you're in school that that needs to be your focus um and jordan you made a great point and you should elaborate but jordan we were talking about this she said it's not so much about balancing all the different music aspects of your time but balancing your whole life do you want to talk about more about yeah, that. I was going to say, like, just looking back on my time uh, in college, specifically at UNT, it's really stressful. Just, you know, you're first off as a human being, you're struggling a lot. You're going away from your parents for the first time. You're getting a lot of autonomy and figuring out what you like. And then it's really demanding, especially in the program we came through with all the practicing. And like I said, I was working and I ended up with a vocal injury because I wasn't taking care of my health because I was trying to do everything. I was working, practicing, trying not to miss the hangs. Um, And it bit me in the butt, basically. So my thing I was saying is I really think it's important to, in the best way that you can, take care of your health, meaning enough sleep, eating decent meals, because if not everything else, is you're going to underperform in every other area of your life. And that rings true, you know, past college. But I think in college, that's that's the best thing you can do for yourself. And then also just recognizing that you're not going to be able to do all this stuff like this person listed, you know, practicing, writing, you know, and you have classes. You don't even put that on there. Like you got you got to do school, man. (laughs) Like that's really you want to get the most out of what you are there for, which is, you know, should be to learn as much as you can and then meet good people right and become a good person <laughs> and a lot of these things are lifelong pursuits yeah and so you know maybe there's certain things that you give a little bit more focus while you're in school mm-hmm. and maybe you do i would say a lot of people have said this to me and i would probably agree you have more time to practice when you're in school than you do when you're done yes um the whole adulting comes into play and yep. it's there's a lot to do and, yeah. and work and focus on but that being said you know, if you want to be someone who is getting better throughout their life, then you're going to be practicing your whole life. And so maybe, for example, you want to get better at writing music. Well, maybe you don't have that much time in college, but you have your whole life to work on that. So maybe you still do a little bit, mm-hmm. but then you ramp it up after you're done with school and all your other things yeah. go away. 
I think it's all about prioritizing. You just got to get real with really what does your time look like after you've done all the necessity things. And then if you're a person that's like, I know for a fact after I graduate, I'm going to be an artist and I'm going to go hard in the paint with that, then that's going to be your first priority after you've got all these other necessities for school done. Or if you're a person that you know you want to be a side man, then maybe it goes to like making sure you're networking your butt off like while you're there hooking up with other soloists and you know so prioritizing and i also see all of these as skill building so you really can't go wrong as long as you're not wasting your time Mm. which granted you need free time you need entertainment you need you know to relax and and not overburden yourself and you know don't do 16 hours of practice a day or whatever (laughs) and then sleep the rest or whatever so think of it as all skill building so you almost can't go wrong as long as you're doing doing these things these these are great things to be working on yeah yep all right would love to hear you talk about the transition between school and the professional world how did the connections you made and things you worked on during school help you in your first professional endeavors definitely the relationships built they, I mean, that led to having a career yep. and opportunities, you know, have have come from that specifically. Now, the transition, it's not really just a, all of a sudden I'm graduated. Now what? I mean, I started playing gigs throughout college. And they just kind of ramped up as time went on. Mm-hmm. And then when I graduated, I just had more time to do those things and the fire under the butt to to get it going even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say the transition is definitely that. It's a transition. It took time and it took many, many years to even feel like I was somewhere, which mm-hmm. ended up not being the whatever the ceiling was that I thought ended up being not what I wanted. But regardless, you know, it definitely was from relationships built. Yep. How about you? Same. I, I, want, I was just thinking about, I think every single job I got out of school was through somebody I knew in school. And then that led to me meeting other people. And even beyond, there are some people that I work with who are just, who are much older, who went to UNT that, you know, I get to work with because of that UNT connection. Sometimes you don't even have to have been in school with whoever that is. But yeah, Mm -hmm. relationships was the biggest thing. And yeah, honestly, that is, that totally is, and I think that rings true in every industry. It's, it really is yeah. who you know, but it's not, it doesn't stop there. It's like who you know and how you presented yourself to those people because <laughs> not everybody is out here getting calls. Right. You know, it has to be you're a good hang and, and you get what needs to be done, done, you know. Yeah, and I would add that when I was in school, there were so many other people around that I, I mean, I had plenty of people that I, you know, knew closely was acquainted with uh, but also plenty who I never got the chance to talk to or get to know just naturally and I what's crazy is I've found that you know 10 years later that some of these people I get to know more now that I didn't talk to in school and we're so much alike we've collaborated before and so I almost wish that I had focused more almost not not like making it a job to like go talk to everybody and meet mm-hmm. everyone at school, but try to make a little bit more of an effort to go outside of my comfort zone. Because mm-hmm. I think in schools you can, especially in music schools, 
you might find they're more like genre or just personality clicks Mm -hmm. that happen at school. And so if you get caught in some of those, maybe it's not one that you wanted to be in Mm -hmm. and you don't realize it until 10 years later. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you missed out on some people that you really could have connected with. Because mm-hmm. I'm feeling that way with certain people now where it's like, man, I really wish I had known them so much sooner. I mean, I'm glad that we're connecting now and it's yeah. great. But that's something I, I think about as well. Yeah. And I guess another thing could be, you know, based off of that experience is don't be afraid to like reach out to other people that you didn't really necessarily talk to that much in school because you never know. Also, people are totally different out <laughs> of school. It's insane. Like, I feel like everybody you know post-graduation it's like a year after they graduate you're everyone sounds way better (laughs) first off because you're mentally just in a better place and then you just get time to settle because it's just you know like we've said before college is chaotic and we're all just like floundering little fish like trying to figure out (laughs) what the heck is going on (laughs) do you really know who you are in college yeah not at all yeah so don't afraid, be afraid to like reach out to other people that you didn't talk to while you were in school. Like expand your network, but with the network that you're already connected in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next question. Do you think it's possible in the DFW area to have a successful career as a jazz musician without taking on a heavy teaching load? As a saxophone player myself, I want a career in the Metroplex, but have trouble finding gigs to play every night. Okay, so this is an interesting question. It's and it's very, like very honed in specifically in the DFW area. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, was that me when I was in college? <laughs> like, is that the way I was thinking? Probably. And so I would have to challenge the question with we have to define what successful career means. And then also, what does successful career as a jazz musician mean? And then also, what is a successful, excuse me, what is a successful career as a jazz musician in DFW mean? I mean, so what do those things look like to you? Do you even know what they look like? Have you talked to anybody about what a successful career as a jazz musician in Dallas or not looks like to them? Mm-hmm. And so this, this is one of those things where I know a lot of people go to school with this vision. Mm-hmm. I want to go to school. I want to be a known musician. And then I keep hearing this jazz musician career. but. Every successful jazz career I've seen, other than, okay, you've got like Chris Potter and you have these huge names who are traveling the world, right? Besides them, a successful jazz career looks like playing jazz when you can Mm -hmm. and playing other gigs because you have to, or doing another job or other skill or something. So what does that really look like? What is it? Is it even possible to have what you think? is going to happen. Does that exist? Yeah. And so I don't want to be, you know, trying to break it down and challenge it as if it can't happen. But I think, you know, if you're asking this question, you really have to ask yourself what that really means and then start asking other people what that really looks like Mm -hmm. and decide for yourself if that's something that you want. Yeah. But then to, to put it like plainly, if you're saying to make a living just playing jazz in the DFW Metroplex, you know, speaking honestly, you know, you and we know all of our friends, maybe mm, 20%, 30% of the gigs they play that pay you well are jazz gigs, right? 
Yeah, but I wouldn't say they pay well. I mean, that they, yeah. So it's more for fun. Yeah. So than, yeah, and for people who are not listening, who are not in the DFW Metroplex or that scene, it is a thriving scene for music in that you can make a decent living playing. It's really fruitful for the wedding band scene, mm-hmm. um, church gigs. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of a weird one people aren't really used to. And then teaching. And that's why the specific person asks, is there a way to do it without teaching? Because most people do teach. Right. Because um, Texas does support um, music education a lot. So there's more opportunities there. Right. And then let's talk about playing every night. And so let's say, let's go to the extreme and say a successful jazz career is playing jazz every night. Yeah. Let's say it's even seven days a night, which goodness, let's go back to the balance thing. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have time to relax and hang out with people or, you know, live your life? Mm -hmm. Maybe not. But let's say, let's do some math. So let's say it's 50 bucks a night playing jazz. Let's start there. (laughs) So that's. We're gonna do that times seven. So you're making three fifty a week. There's fifty two weeks in a year. Now that doesn't include I mean that's literally playing every night of your life per year. That doesn't include holidays and mm-hmm. like off nights where you I mean, who plays every night? Mm-hmm. No one. But even if you if you did at fifty bucks a night, that's eighteen thousand two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we haven't even gone into taxes or rent or mortgage or yeah. car payments, debt payments, food. Yeah. All right. So let's double that to a hundred bucks a night. Thirty six thousand four hundred. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We're getting somewhere, but still, we're talking about every night playing a mm-hmm. hundred bucks a night. And so, you know, I'd wanted to do the numbers, not to discourage anyone from trying to play music for a living. I did that for a very long time. But we have to understand what the numbers, what are the possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm playing every night, even if I'm making 300 a night, okay, maybe that's, you know, close to 100 grand, but what about the rest of your life and the rest of your time? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you able to work out, eat healthy, get mm-hmm. enough sleep? Mm-hmm. You know, what does your life really look like if you're dedicating yourself to that? Mm-hmm. Is it worth that? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and then I guess the other like more like you know, if you whatever you want, you can have happen. Yeah. But like with something like this, like we all know that like specifically to get p- paid just playing jazz and make like a good life out of that, it's going to be more difficult, mm-hmm. but you can absolutely do it, but you just you know, you're going to have to be very smart about it. And it's going to take, you know, if you want to be that person, like, like I'm just playing jazz, then you build the website, you market it, you right. find those, you know, because you and I have played some nice, like, higher paying gigs Definitely. together. You can find the people that want that, but it's just going to take work. So I think it's completely possible. There are people that want to support that and want to pay you good money to hear jazz, but right. you just have to be, you know, work hard, you know? Yeah, definitely. And so some of those gigs where you find higher paying gigs like we have before, then you're not having to play every night. So maybe this person who's asking is thinking that you have to play every night for it to work, or that's kind of the standard. Yeah. And I just don't think that it is. I think what I've found, at least in Dallas, is that people who play every night, they're playing different stuff every night. Oh, yeah. I mean, it depends where they are, who they're playing with. And so 
I mean, maybe New York is more of a place where you can play jazz every night at a different club. We don't need to get into all those details, mm-hmm. but you know, you get the idea. These are some of the things we think about mm-hmm. when questions like these are posed. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's helpful. Yeah. So long story short, it's yes, it's possible, but it would, uh, you know, it's difficult to make if we're if we are categorizing success as a healthy living in Dallas. Mm-hmm. It is possible, but you just have to work hard and really have the business side together for yourself. And you you need to be. I don't think you can as a side man. Right. Like you have to be the, the hustling and you have to have your website. You got to have be, you know, finding these higher paying gigs for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next question. What advice do you have for young musicians transitioning to the financially productive stage about to graduate? Can you tell us a personal experience that jump started your career and put you in the path you are on today? Is there a specific moment? Okay, so general advice for young musicians transitioning to the financially productive stage is definitely education. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're already way ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a list of resources, books, podcasts, apps, blogs on my website. Put that link in the show notes and just start learning as much as you can. Mm-hmm. That's definitely my advice. In terms of a personal experience, again, Nothing really jump-started my career. Like I said, it was just a slow transition. Um, But I can say that there was a specific experience a few years after graduating when I was, you know, feeling like I was making a living performing. And that was when I hit my financial rock bottom in August of 2015. And that's when I started self-educating and I started saving. And so that's when I started putting in, if you've listened to the episodes before you've heard this, or if you were at the the talk, you know, I started putting in 200 a month automatically into my savings. So that was really the moment. It didn't necessarily, what's interesting is I would say that actually was the moment that jumpstarted my career because what I, I thought I was doing, I was living out my successful career, whatever that looked like to me. And then that financial rock bottom hit. And once I started self-educating, changing my money mindset and saving, I started getting paid two, threefold times more at my gigs. I mean, everything changed mm-hmm. and everything ramped up. Mm-hmm. And so I would say actually that is what jump started my career. And it was a few years after graduating. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's really like all encompassing. It's like educating mm-hmm. yourself about yourself <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. about, you know, money mindset, finance, things like that. And then for you, it was, you know, you were doing everything you thought you needed to do. You hit your rock bottom. And then just that mindset change, you started getting paid more. And then the mind is a powerful thing. You know, what you put out into the world is what you're going to get back. So if you're like, I'm not going to have this happen again. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to make a better life for myself. You know. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah, I guess... If you're about to graduate, that's kind of a, a lot. But the biggest thing is just know that you're, it's a learning curve and you're going to go, everyone's going on their own path. Yeah. But always, you know, keep trying to learn mm-hmm. about what you want. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Right after you graduate, it's the say yes time. <laughs> yes, especially unless you like are clear headed somehow and you're like, I know exactly what I want out of a music career. Good for you. You're one in a million. But if you're not, 
go try a bunch of things, be open, and then figure out what you'd like, what you didn't like, and then lean into the things you like. And adjust accordingly. And adjust accordingly and figure out how to make what you deserve from those things. You right. know, be realistic and talk to people who are doing what you want. Yeah, well said. All right, next question. What are the practical steps for artists just starting to get on top of their financial management and hopefully future success? What small steps can we be doing as students to make financial security a reality later? That's a good question. Yeah. Similar so, to the other one. Yeah, it's, it's similar in the, in the way that my answers are going to be a little similar. So getting on top of your financial management, again, education. I mean, it's just, you, you can't beat it. So again, if you're listening to this podcast, great. It's, that's a good start. And, you know, small steps, saving. Yeah. I mean, it, if you can, you know, we know that's hard, but, you know. Yeah. But I would say that as a student, and I've kind of mentioned this a little bit before, but you need to be, you need to be focused on being the best student you possibly can yeah. because that, you know, maybe you go back to school over and over throughout your life, but think of it as your one chance to be a great student. Use that time, yeah. you know. And get your money's worth. You're paying to be there. Yeah, know? exactly. Right. And so, you know, maybe you're working on the side um, to pay for your expenses while you're there, or maybe you have student loans that are building up. And so, you know, maybe you don't have the means to save or think about that stuff. So, and I would say that that's okay. Yeah. You know, you're doing what you need to be doing to get where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if that's with loans or without or having to work or not, or if your parents helped you or not, or whatever the case may be. Focus on being a student and know that just by self-educating, you're preparing yourself that when you're done being a student, then you can start focusing. So like, I'm not going to, te- I'm not going to advise anyone to save for retirement while they're in college. Mm-mm. I mean, yeah. You know, that's something for later when you join the workforce. Yeah. And like, you know, every student is in a different financial position. You know, some have loans, some have to work through college. So I think what you're saying, like, you know, educate yourself and educate your, be real about your specific situation. But beyond that, just focus on school. And so an actual small step in terms of educating could be, okay, I'm going to practice. Let's say you practice an hour a day or two or three or four hours, however many hours, doesn't matter. Let's say for every hour that you practice, you're going to dedicate five minutes to learning about some of these things that we're talking about. So if you, if you practice four hours a day, then dedicate 20 minutes to learning about these other things. Because I find that if you are completely horse blind focused into just practicing, then like we've said before, you don't have time for other things. But also, time is going by, and that time that you're not spending learning about these things, it's going to catch up to you, you know, later on when things need to be worked on mm-hmm. and you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really simple, small step that maybe you can try to implement today. Mm-hmm. Next question. How did you end up being a financial planner, although you didn't major in related areas at school? So. This is a great question, and it really goes to show that going to school is really just skill building. It used to be about, especially for college, you go to college, and that is what helps you get a job. In some cases, that's still very, very true. For music, you can have a degree or not. 
you can be a musician. You can play at a high level. You can work with whoever you want. And so for me, I pursued music for a very long time in college and beyond. And then I started pursuing other things like learning about real estate and marketing. And then I got onto finance, like many of you know. And now I'm a financial planner. And I went back to school um, and took the certification for financial planners uh, program at SMU. And that was a year long program. And I studied for the exam and passed it, which was brutal. Um, But I, I did go back to school for that. It was just a certification. But even without that, I mean, anybody can learn how to do these things. There's education is practically free at this point. Mm-hmm. You can listen to lectures from the top schools in the nation online for free if you want. Mm-hmm. And so I see it all as skill building. And so I took a lot of things that I learned from music, you know, improvisation, building relationships, being able to communicate through music without speaking. I mean, there's so many skills we learn as musicians, and I've translated those into these other careers that I've pursued. Mm -hmm. And, you know, creativity goes into everything that you're doing, you know. (laughs) Definitely. All right, next question. What is the best advice you have for minimizing costs? Some tips that you have found are helpful for managing the amount you spend. So this goes back to like tracking your finances, your income and expenses and things. So if you can find a way to find out what you're actually spending on things. And then also, like you kind of mentioned earlier about like keeping up with the Joneses, Mm -hmm. you know, think about where are you living right now? Are you in the fancy apartment that everyone else is in? Mm -hmm. They are maybe you're maybe not paying for themselves, Um, you know eating out versus groceries. I mean, it's like, what decisions are you making? And so if you really, if you focus on developing that self-awareness, then you can really minimize costs by making those smart decisions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a list of ratios that are good rules of thumb. Mm -hmm. And so like the biggest expense we usually have is housing. And if it's above a certain percent, then that means of your income, then you're taking away important percentages of your income towards other things that you need to sustain yourself. Mm -hmm. And so the, you know, living in the apartment you can't afford is a huge cost, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, some tips that I've found helpful for managing that is really just following the ratios and just trying to work towards staying within them. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about you? Yeah, I think it's just the awareness, looking at what you're spending and on how much. For me, obviously, my non-discretionary spending that I do a lot is the coffee thing. Mm -hmm. And it's not crazy. It's still not crazy. I still got it under wraps. But um, definitely that. For me, obviously, the keeping up with the Joneses was a big deal because it's like that insecurity thing. I was very insecure about all that, like feeling like. I don't want to be that person who like can't afford to do something, but guess what? It's okay. Like you're doing it so that you don't have to be that person in the future. So you're not that person who can't afford, really can't afford a meal, you know? <laughs> like Yeah. Um and then the other thing we were saying is but when you do spend on some things by for certain things, buy the best thing that you can, best yeah. quality you can for things like, you know, shoes, you don't wanna 
if you buy a crappy pair of shoes, like gig shoes that you're going to have to be wearing all the time, they're going to wear out, you know, things like that right. that matter. Try to buy the best quality of things so will they last longer. All right, next question. Do you have any tips for doing your taxes and ways to make it easier being self-employed? So when you're just starting out, you can definitely use online services to do your taxes just to get into the hang of things. Um, but definitely outsourcing, you know, an experienced professional like a CPA to do your taxes is wise as well if you have the means to do so. I would say keep in mind that you're still going to have to track and provide most, if not all, of the numbers. And so you need to be keeping track of everything, and whether that's the spreadsheet or using an online app or something like that. And then also understanding what does it actually mean to be self-employed? How is that different from having like a W-2 job? You know, what do the taxes look like? What can you and can't you deduct and things like that? Um, so that is, that's my basics for, for taxes. And again, self-educating and just taking it step by step and asking everyone you can about it. Yeah. And one of the, you know, resources that I've used since I started, since I graduated is uh, FreshBooks and it's just an accounting software. I use it to invoice, you know, students for gigs and things like that. And I go through and I have, I've got my bank hooked up to it and I try to do it once a month. I go through and I uh, put my um, expenses into the right categories and delete ones that I know I can't write off. So if you're doing it once a month, then it's a lot easier. For me, I had that one year that I did taxes where I had to print out my, <laughs> my bank statements and I was like very overwhelmed. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> so an accounting software, QuickBooks, FreshBooks. Yeah, and there's a link to FreshBooks, I think, on the resources page on my website. So that'll be in the show notes as well. All right. Okay, so the final question. The transition from a low financial state to investing on property took courage in order to manifest financial success. Can you share some of those first moves slash projects you were involved in that promised the highest return? So I mentioned this before about the financial rock bottom and immediately started reading books. So, I mean, that was the highest return was reading as many books as I could get my hands on. I listened to a lot of podcasts. And then, of course, I started taking action. And that first step was saving automatically and building up the emergency fund first. And that just kickstarted everything. One of the first books I read was The Slight Edge. And and that's a really great book about, you know, your... Think about a curved, like an exponential graph with the curved line that goes up. Imagine the same one that goes down, and then the x-axis is time. So, right, I keep saying time is going by, whether you like it or not. It's your most valuable asset. Is your line curving up or curving down? Because it's not going straight. So you get to choose. But those, those curves take a long time to start shooting up or shooting down. So the thought is like, if you eat a burger today, you're not just going to gain 200 pounds. But if you eat a burger every day, right, that that curve is going to drop down. Mm -hmm. Eventually, it's going to slowly go down and down and down. And then it's going to shoot down where your health is really in a poor place. Mm -hmm. The opposite said for a salad, right? (laughs) Whatever the choices are that you're making. And the same goes for finances. Um, And, you know, 
learning and your knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so I would say those were the moves that I made that had the highest return, Mm -hmm. self-education and then taking action, but slowly, one thing at a time and knowing that it's, it's, it's not a sprint. Mm-hmm. It's a marathon, but also things happen a lot faster than you think. I mean, my whatever financial rock bottom was, I guess, four and a half years ago. That's not that long ago, Mm-mm. considering the seriously exponential difference and improvement my life is in now. Yeah. What about you? I'm still, I'm definitely, I'm on the up curve for sure, but I'm definitely. Uh, still fixing my money mindset mm-hmm. and manifesting the things that I want. Um, and I think like this person was asking what the highest return is. And like you said, I think it was that mindset shift because guess what? Like you said, you got started getting paid more. Yeah. The second you're like, I need more. I deserve more. Like you start affirming those things mm-hmm. and you really have to get to the point where you know that's what you want and what you deserve. Then that you're already on your way to get it. So mindset is the biggest thing. And for me, I'm definitely still working on my money mindset. I didn't grow up with the best discussion of money and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I have like a lot of barriers to break through, but Mm -hmm. I'm in that process that, you know, Spencer was in, you know, four years ago Mm -hmm. of educating myself on myself and (laughs) on what I want and trying to be more positive about all of those things. Yeah. So I hope that these answers were helpful to those of you who asked them and then to those of you just listening. And a while over the course of this last year, it's been a little over a year now the podcast has been going, I've gotten a lot of questions from listeners and I have those written down. And so we'll do another Q&A at some point in the future and we'll get to those questions. And so if you enjoyed this podcast, you feel like it's valuable, feel free to share with another thriving musician and or better yet leave a review on itunes and if you'd like to nominate a thriving musician to interview on the podcast feel free to send me an email spencer at spencerlist.com and thank you jordan for helping me today with the q a i'm sure you'll hear from her again soon and uh you know feel free to reach out with comments questions um anything uh via email or on social media or on my website i added a little comment box now on the blog so that's (laughs) kind of nice if anybody wants to to chat there too and so i hope you all have a great day keep thriving want even more ideas tools and resources on how to break through to the next level of financial and creative freedom Check out the leading financial blog for musicians at spencerlist.com, where Spencer covers the latest trends and financial strategies. And by signing up for the Thriving Musician newsletter, you can earn exclusive member content and discounts. Get it all at www.spencerlist.com. If you would like to nominate a Thriving Musician for an interview on the podcast, request Spencer to speak at your school or event, or want to submit questions or comments, please send an email to spencer at spencerlist.com and keep thriving.